Hey, Emily. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a superstitious person? I think a little bit. Yeah. Well, that is not at all surprising because nurses are known for being very superstitious. Really? Yeah. A poll done on Nurse Life RN. I like that place. Pretty cool. <laughs> if you ask me. Out of about 50,000 nurses, 30,000 said they consider themselves superstitious. Would you consider yourself part of the 60% that are superstitious? I guess we'll find out. What's up and welcome to the Nurse Bee Podcast. I am your host, EB, and I am here with Emily. Hey. And this week we are talking superstitions. Ooh, and I'm excited. <laughs> you cut out the <laughs> No, we're keeping that. So if you've been a nurse for any amount of time, I'm sure you have heard tons of superstitions. And today we're going to be talking about some of the more popular ones. Emily. Yeah. What are some of the superstitions that you've heard? In the East Coast, I heard about tying the knot on the bed to keep the patient through your shift. We've all heard the full moon. Like, it's going to be a crazy shift if there's a full moon. What about you? We got the death comes in threes. Oh, yeah. I've also heard the one that if you, like, talk about a frequent flyer, if you say their name too much, you almost, like, summon them. Yeah, speaking of saying, don't say the Q word. Don't say the Q word. Everyone knows that one. We're not going to say it. That's, I feel like that makes like, me feel uncomfortable. So that means I am superstitious. You're not even at work right now. Like, well, I am at work, actually. Well, you are at work, but I mean, we're, we don't have patients. You're not going to get an admission. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. If someone randomly strolls up to your house and is like, I heard you got some nurses in here. Um, no, but if I feel like I say it, there's going to be like an accident that happens and I'm like going to have to jump into the nurse role. Or if someone's listening to this and you and say it and they're at work. Their shift's going to be horrible just don't say it we don't want to jinx your shift so but you've we've all heard that one what are what are the other ones i feel like there's a few others like opening the window after someone passes and stopping somewhere on the way home and stopping somewhere on the way home to like drop the spirits off like that covers the popular ones yeah so when i said we were going to talk about it on today's episodes we're going to briefly talk about it and then we to tell a, you. We did a little bit of, uh, we're going to, we did a little bit of research. But there's not a ton of information on this stuff. We're trying to get you guys some origins and things like that. Yeah, we dreamed big and it was, we delivered small. Yeah, there wasn't any, <laughs> but we have ghost stories. Wait, no, I have some. I do have, I do have some research. Yeah, we, we're going to talk about that, but I just wanted them to know oh. before they like thought this was going to be 30 minutes of getting like a deep dive on superstitions. <laughs> it's not. No, it's, it's not. ghost stories. Ghost stories four or three. Wait, should we whisper it? It's ghost, ghost stories. stories. That was bad timing. We try again. We're not doing the ghost story thing. Um, okay, so let's get into which one you talk about first. Let's start with the full moon. I feel like that's the most in depth one. Actually, I can do the full moon one. You do the full moon one. Okay, so full moons and not like butts. This is from the History Channel. Since ancient times, full moons have been associated with odd or insane behavior, including sleepwalking, suicide, illegal activity, fits of violence, and of course, transforming into werewolves. Indeed, the word lunacy and lunatic come from the Roman goddess of the moon, Luna, who was said to ride a silver chariot across the dark sky each night. For thousands of years, doctors and mental health professionals believed in a strong connection between mania and the moon. Hippocrates, considered the father of modern medicine, wrote in the 5th century BC that one who is seized with terror, fright, and madness during the night is being visited by the goddess of the moon. In 18th century England, people on trial for murder could campaign for a lighter sentence on the grounds of lunacy if the crime occurred under a full moon. Meanwhile, psychiatric patients in London's Bethlehem Hospital were shackled and flogged as a preventative measure 
during certain lunar phases. Every day, despite studies discrediting these hypotheses, some people think full moons make everyone a little loony. Okay, can I add some weird science? Yeah. So it was a doctor that I like watched a lecture about it. The guy is Dr. Todd Grant. And I took notes. Um, okay, so the moon has a gravitational force on everything on the Earth. And we know that the moon has an effect on the tides. So the theory is that the same pull on humans because we are mostly water. So it pulls you into doing crazy shit. In. It just messes with your brain. Crazy stuff. Um, but the amount of force that the Earth exerts on a human is 950 newtons. And the moon has only 0.004 newtons, which is like roughly 3.5 ounces. I told you I was going to read Yeah, wow. <laughs> okay. So the full moon doesn't correlate with the distance of the moon to the earth. So if it could have an effect on a human, it's not tied to the phases of the moon because we experience too high and too low tides every day. So it would be happening twice every a day, day. every yeah. day. And so we know that it is not correlated. But the history of a full moon, to add to that, was um, high time to be active at night and work and travel. So like... Back in the day when they would do this, they would do it on night when it was a full moon because they had most light. Yeah. So that is something that's been passed down in correlation with what you're saying as well. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Wow. You took a deep dive. <laughs> so I, I was going to find it out. What's that show with like the... Uh... Mythbusters? Yes. Yeah, so I was like, am I on Mythbusters? I, I love Mythbusters. Yeah. You went, you went deep. Uh, also, that's why you get the term moonstruck. I've never heard that term. Oh. Have you heard that term, Brandon? Brandon's heard the term. So if someone's crazy, you call them a lunatic. So it's all together. It all works. But I do believe it's real. I've worked full night moons. Full moons. (laughs) I think the American Journal of Medicine did a study on it, though. Like they looked at hospital admissions and things like that for like nights of full moons. And there was no data to back up that there were more hospital admissions during full moons. There are some supporting evidence, like actual data to support that, like people are committing suicide more and um, there are acts of violence more, but they there are so many other factors that are involved in every one of those cases. You cannot correlate the data to being the moon and these events. Yeah, correlation. The not. correlation factor is so low, they say it's not a factor. Well, much. yeah, correlation, not causation. It's like always. Okay, the, yeah, I'm probably using the wrong word, but you know what I mean. No, no, you <laughs> you got it, MythBuster. Um, all right, what uh. What other ones we got? Yeah, what else we got? Okay, so the one that I also did some research on, they kind of go hand in hand because of these beliefs, but the tragedies come in three. So it's a combination of human beliefs and patterns. And the first one is called, I'm going to say this wrong, the phenomenon of apophenia. apophenia. It is the tendency to perceive meaningful connections between unrelated events. And that's something that humans have done so we can like divulge truth. And that's a way that we've like learned as a society and whatever. So it's a common thing. The second thing is called confirmation bias. So it's the tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs or theories. So if we have an idea and something happens, we will selectively see what we want out of the data and ignore the things that would cause us to disprove our previous belief so can i give you an example yeah because it's like it's kind of confusing if you have an example of like lucky socks so you are more likely to remember the time that you scored when you're wearing the socks than all the times that you didn't score wearing the same socks so the socks are not actually lucky but because of that belief you are more confident when you wear the socks and your confidence improves your skill level so it's not wrong that wearing your lucky pair of socks makes you better. Self 
self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. And then why like is the it stock market right now? <laughs> yeah. So just jump in on that. Um, so why is it three is because Western culture frequently has used three as a number of significance, the deity. Uh, there's other examples that I can't remember off the top of my head. We like threes and that's also my favorite number. So I like threes, <laughs> the superstition of the knot theory, tying a knot in the sheet is because it's the same principles of confirmation bias and if your patient is crashing and you're doing everything like medical that you can do, if you are superstitious, you're going to adhere like, I'm going to try to do anything that's possible. So just tying a knot, if that helps, cool. It's easy to do. It's not a hard step to do. And then if it works out, you correlate that with why they survived. Mm-hmm. And not like even though there are all the other medical interventions that are happening, you're going to, because of confirmation bias, say, oh, they survived because of the knot that I tied and then you continue to do it because it's low effort thing that like if you didn't do it, you're going to you feel, feel like you feel bad. It didn't, like, it could oh have my gosh, changed they died. if I had done it. Yeah. And I can talk about the, um, don't say, oh, I was reading it and I almost said it. I think don't, you can say it. Don't say the Q word. No, I don't want to. And it's the same thing. It's that, that whole principle of like, if I say it and something bad happens, even though it was going to happen, even if I hadn't said it, I correlate it to the black cloud these people go by many names like the black cloud or the harbinger of death or the cursed one. All these nicknames refer to one healthcare professional, like a doctor or nurse who always seems to have bad luck following them. If they're working your shift, you're guaranteed to have patients that will die or you'll end up in the craziest, most unusual cases. Something always seems to go wrong when you see this colleague's name on the schedule. What? Yeah. You've never heard about the black cloud. Like the person that every shift they work, everything just seems to like go to shit. Oh, I thought of another one. This one was actually the first one that I learned. What's, uh, what is it? <laughs> I'm going to just interrupt you real quick. Um, <laughs> if you see a fly on your floor in your hospital, someone on that unit's going to die. I've never heard that one. And I don't remember the reason why, but what I was told was because think of how much the fly has to do to get into, I don't know, the fourth floor of whatever you're on. Like, there's not windows that are opening up. They're like coming in the front door, getting in the elevator or the stairwell. <laughs> They're coming to pass on this They're coming to tell you, I've done a lot of work to get here. One of your people are going to die. Why leave the window open after a death? A Danish death tradition. The northern countries of Denmark have a longstanding respect and connection with their natural environment that's pervaded many of their holidays and traditions. Regardless of one's belief about the afterlife, there is something comforting and revitalizing about opening the window for that certain loved one after he or she has died. It's a gesture of letting go, but also letting in and bringing in fresh air from the outside world and the promise of another day. Danish traditions are mostly a combination of Christian and pagan beliefs, and it's also not uncommon to find candles on the windowsill of Danish households to commemorate the life of a loved one, ringing in the holiday or simply bringing in some warm light into the house. Very nice. It's kind of sweet. Yeah. So sorry, everyone who can't open their windows. Yeah. I wonder if this, uh, you know, there's a lot of traditions that you find the same thing in different cultures. Yeah. I wonder if other cultures have something similar. When I was researching some of these, a lot of them I got was like also knocking on wood, which I think that we do a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's strictly nurses. I think that's like a very common thing. But um, that is an old pagan thing because it came from knocking on wood to talk to the spirits in the trees. And it became something that it's continued because it's easier to do than not do and then have to wrestle like because it's what you're taught. So you're breaking that. So you have to think about you have to consciously think about 
not doing it and why it makes no difference. And it's easier to just go ahead and do it than think about not then continue yeah. on. And so that's paganism. <laughs> <laughs> You're all pagans. Um, <laughs> did we hit all the ones we said we talked about? You know, I didn't think we we're going to give you very much information, but I think we came through. Yeah. I'm proud of us. Deep dive accomplished. Yeah. So uh, ghost stories. First story. Should we get creepy? First story. I work in a CTICU and a patient came in with severe aortic dissection. Originally, they were going to do emergency surgery, but then they found out that the patient had taken a ton of blood thinners, thinking she had a clot and that it would help break it up. Face palm. That combined with their age, late 80s, made her not a candidate for surgery. She was basically just a ticking time bomb and the doctors had predicted that she would pass before the following day. The patient asked to be DNR and sure enough, five hours later, she became bradycardic in the 30s, then asystole, and then passed. While we were performing post-mortem care, the nursing assistant seemed extra troubled. When I asked her what was wrong, she said the patient had asked her earlier in the day to open the window she passed during her shift. The windows in our hospital don't open. The nursing assistant lied to her and said that she would, not thinking that the patient would actually pass during her shift, and now she felt super guilty. Well, as soon as she was done telling me this, the window started rattling. We both looked at each other and laughed it off as being the wind. That was until everything that was by the window ledge suddenly flew off and onto the floor. Blankets, the care kit, her shoes. The nursing assistant screamed and we both ran out of there. She wouldn't go back in, but I went back later with two other nursing assistants to finish up. I said a prayer over the patient. How would you react to that? I would not be going back in there yet. <laughs> If I saw something fly off a ledge. Inside. Yeah. It's not like there's a current of wind. Yeah. Like, what? That's crazy. But I mean, yeah, I would probably still go back in there. <laughs> if I didn't go back in there, that means I would like believe it enough to be afraid. Yeah. But for me, it's just like, then who the fuck? Oh, I, I told myself I would stop swearing. Um, for me, it you would told be. told your mom. I, I told my mom I would stop swearing. She listened to some of the episodes and I got in trouble. Anyways, for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's like who else is gonna do postmortem care though? Like I like, like you're I, not gonna pass responsibility yeah. on to somebody else. Hey, there's a ghost in there. Hey. <laughs> it threw some stuff at me. You wanna go in there next? Like I know I'll clean up room three. Do you mind going and finishing my postmortem at eight? <laughs> like, <laughs> Why? <laughs> Nothing. No. no. I just really I like three. We ha I had them yesterday. I'll clean up your cold brown. Don't, yeah, don't, don't worry, worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I... I think they're getting the good end of the deal, and no. Actually, I don't think postmortem's ever really the good end of the deal. Yeah, but I, I really don't know at one point, though, where I would be like, okay, there's a dangerous ghost in there. <laughs> All right, next story. <laughs> I floated to a labor and delivery unit for a night shift, and one of the newer nurses in the NICU came out and said, I quit what I was doing to come out and help that lady that was at the window. Did you guys see where she went? She looked like she needed me. One of the unit nurses said, was she a little old gal with white hair and a white outfit? The other nurse said, yeah, she sure was. All the regular unit nurses started laughing and said, well, it looks like you've met our resident ghost. Turns out she shows up at random and peeks in on the babies. I don't believe a lot of the ghost stuff myself, but that nurse looked freaked out. I feel like Pede's floors tend to be the most haunted floors. Yeah, I agree with that. That seems to be a common theme. 
But I feel like if I was the girl that saw her and really did think that I was trying to help somebody and then the description was like given by another nurse because it wasn't her this time saying like, oh, I need to find. Did, did you, you see, see a little, little white, white lady? lady? <laughs> <laughs> a little lady that's white hair and dressed in white right here. And then like she didn't have to give the description. The coworkers did, which means I feel like it gives it validity to the point that like this ghost has been seen by the other nurses. Yeah. I am a new grad. I've been on the job for like six months and I work in a step-down unit in critical care. A few weeks ago, I had a patient that had multiple CVAs, but mostly frontal lobe damage. And so she was just saying wild stuff and basically didn't stop talking for the entirety of my shift, 12 hours straight. The next night I have her again and pretty soon into the shift, I'm in there to do a turn and she like jerks her head to the window that goes into the hallway, you know, like towards the nurse's station. And she just freaks out and starts saying like, why is that woman in the window staring at me? Don't you see her? Get her away from here. You know, obviously I look, I don't see anybody. I'm trying to calm her down. Um, this wasn't the wildest thing she said, you know, at any point during the shift, of course. But anyway, and then she just starts freaking out and being like, tell Maria to go away like Maria is out there I don't want to go with her she's trying to get me to come with her like you need to get her to leave all this stuff but whatever I kind of calm her down and, and walk out she's still talking but right when I come out of my room my coworker comes out of the room next to her and that patient had been on comfort care and I knew that but I didn't know the patient's name or anything and right when I come out she comes out of that room and says hey guys she just passed you know can I get some help cleaning her up um, and I walk over to the telemonitor and the patient's name was freaking Maria. And I was like, oh my God. So we're all kind of freaking out. And then like a couple hours later, I go in to do my next turn and to, you know, check in on the patient. And she like keeps looking at the ground by my feet. And she's like, do you have kids? I'm like, no. She's like, have you ever lost a child? And I'm like, that's, you know, trying to change the subject on your business. And she's like, there is a like four-year-old girl at your feet and she wants you to pick her up and she's worried about you and she's just scared and she wants to make sure that you're okay and she's like that's your daughter and I wanted to just like run away and die because I had a miscarriage like four years ago and anyway I don't even believe in shit like this and that one just really freaked me out Ghost Story 3. <laughs> okay. I used to work at a very, very old hospital building where nuns used to practice. I like how that's supposed to make it creepy. <laughs> <laughs> where nuns used to practice. Yeah, like, if you're a nun, you think you're helping people. We want you to know this is how people really feel about you. In 50 years. We think you're creepy. <laughs> the hospital campus had three different buildings. One of the side buildings is where the HR department was located. So my colleague, who was pregnant at the time, and I went during our break to the HR office at 3 a.m. to drop off some forms she needed for maternity leave. We dropped off the forms and we were waiting for the elevator. My friend and I hear two ladies having a conversation right behind us. We both give each other a look that says, did you hear that or is that just me? Mind you, there isn't a single soul in the building after 5 p.m. Just as we're processing, whether we think what we heard was real or not, the elevator door opens and my colleague and I walk in and press the button for the main lobby. 
We see the door close and then the door opens again on its own on the same freaking floor with the HR office. To this date, I wonder if the elevator was just broken from being way too old or if the two ladies wanted to ride with us. I have no clue, but never am I again going to that building in the middle of the night. Creepiest experience so far in my nursing career. The scary thing about the story, though, is to have something supernatural or creepy happen to you while someone is there and they experience it too. So there's no, you know, you don't have the chance to like walk away and be like, no, nah, that Convince didn't yourself yeah. that you were just crazy. It's like, nah, bro, that was real. When you hear something that you don't initially notice is out of the ordinary because it mm-hmm. seems normal. And then you realize like it's only us two here. And then you think that you're crazy. So you look at your friend and you're like, do you hear this too? That's just creepy. Next story. Last winter, I was working at a drug and ETOH inpatient rehab that was located in a building of an old mental institution, complete with old lobotomy OR and theater. I was on the second floor, which most people avoided if alone, and was washing my hands in the bathroom. As I opened the door to leave, the faucet turned on again. This was one of those automatic faucets you run your hands under to turn on. I stood there for a minute or so and then said, Please turn the water off. The water turned off. I said, thank you, good night, and took off running down the stairs. That's creepy. But you know, some of those sensors, though. They last a little bit longer. Yeah, and they also sometimes, I don't want, not malfunction, but like they're not that hard. Actually, I don't know, maybe ghosts have just been set, setting off sensors next to me, and I've just assumed they were malfunctioning. But I feel like those sensors do. It. Yeah, I feel like those sensors do that all the time. All right, next story. When I was an undergrad, I worked at a very old psychiatric hospital in Lexington, Kentucky. There were all these old tunnels connecting the buildings that you could use to transport patients in inclement weather. Even though most of the tunnels had been renovated, there were still old tunnels that they would take you through during orientation, and you could sign up to take a tour of more of the tunnels if you worked there. Some of the old tunnels that weren't used anymore were basically dungeons where psychiatric patients used to be chained to the walls. I've had quite a few weird experiences working night shift. One night in particular, I was walking the laundry cart down to be dropped off. You had to go through the basement, through the old tunnels to get to the laundry room. It was probably about 3 o'clock in the morning, and as soon as I got off the elevator with the laundry cart and started walking in the hall, I could hear footsteps following me. Of course, I turned around, don't see anything, and just keep walking. But the footsteps kept following me, and were getting louder and louder. I finally got to the laundry room, which requires a key to unlock the door, but of course, I couldn't get the door unlocked fast enough. After struggling to get the door open, I throw the laundry cart, close the door, and legit ran back up to the unit as fast as I could. I could feel something breathing against my neck as I was running back. Once I got up to the unit, I said I was never taking the laundry down a night shift again. Fun fact, while I was working there, they started repaving the parking lot and found almost 30 bodies that were buried in a very small area that had been paved over. There were bodies of patients buried all over the property. I don't know how I survived working there for all these years with all the creepy shit that happened. That story was creepy just because it sounds more threatening, like something breathing down your neck, running away, and it's still coming faster. That sounds... Dark, long hallway at night when you're carrying laundry. Number one is creepy. Especially a hallway that... Its history is it was where they would hold psych patients chained to the wall. Yeah, there's ghosts there. Okay, next story. I started at one of the biggest hospitals in the U.S. and was super excited. 
It was on one of my first night shifts in the ER and I was struggling. My assignment for the night was psych. I was at a thing, not in a creepy way, for psych patients, so I thought it wouldn't be bad. I had three patients already and I was getting a new one. This girl had crawled into the ceiling while using the bathroom before checking in and ended up falling out of the ceiling soon after, so I knew she was going to be a handful. They brought her to me and instantly I got bad vibes from her. I'm very superstitious and I believe in all things ghost, good and bad spirits. She was definitely not a good person. The moment I walked in and introduced myself, she laughed uncontrollably and said, you're going to die today, cunt. It caught me so off guard and I chuckled and laughed before realizing what she said to me. The windows were fogged, so it was just the two of us while she changed. I had one hand on the door ready to bolt if she tried anything. She kept staring at the top corner of the room and then at the bottom corner right underneath it. She lay back and asked for our famous turkey sandwiches and said she was going to sleep. I was relieved I wouldn't have to hear from her since she had a sitter keeping an eye on her while I checked on everyone else. I was in the room across the hall giving some meds when I heard the sitter scream for security and a doctor. I finished up and ran over. The patient was literally convulsing in bed. It didn't look like a seizure. It looked like a fucking exorcism. The doctor looked at me and we both got chills. We both stood there as the patient got very aggressive and started yelling things out in tongues. The charge nurse and security showed up and the doctor started ordering different meds to calm her down. We kept our distance until the charge brought the meds and once she did, six security personnel held the patient down while I drove the medications and basically stabbed them into her thigh one by one. It was enough to sedate a horse. All she kept telling me was, die, die, die. Nothing was working and the doctor was about ready to intubate this patient and really knock her out. Another one of my coworkers, also very superstitious, called the chaplain. As soon as the chaplain was down the hall, the patient stopped and looked over at the door, grinning, saying, He's coming. We had no idea he was coming until he stood at the door. The patient began yelling out, followed by a loud scream, and then just went unresponsive. We coded her for 45 minutes. As soon as the doctor was about to go out and call it, she came back, and she was a completely different person. She said, he almost had me there, and then looked the other way. She wouldn't look at any of us the rest of the night. The room was extremely cold, but so was the rest of the ER, so I brushed it off as being normal. I asked to step away once she was stable. I went outside for some fresh air and then went to lunch. When I came back, maybe around 3 a.m., and she asked not to let the old man in black come back in the room, she began to cry and pointed behind me. I turned around so fast, but I didn't see anything and I left quickly. At 4.03 a.m., she coded again. This time, she did not make it. When the doctor called it, 30 minutes later, the room went warm and I felt chills and goosebumps. She had no family, so we left the room until the medical examiner could come. Ever since then, I never go back in that room. Anytime I was assigned to it, I asked the person with the worst assignment to switch me, and they would. That bitch was possessed, and I don't know what demon she left in there. I left a few months later because I would always get bad vibes when I walked down that hallway. Yeah, I mean, that one's pretty horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's as straight up exorcism as you get. I know I know what everyone wants to hear, though. I don't want to I'm say I'm very it. superstitious. I'm Wait. just a little stitious. Okay. All right. What? We got it out. We're done. I don't know what you're referencing. The office. <laughs> you referencing the office? I'm not, but I know everyone will hear this and reference it. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't. We I, both don't. I, yeah. I, 
Brandon's looking at me like, don't do it. This is a crazy thing to say is it a on a podcast. But I don't like The Office. Yeah, I said Listen, it. we've already established. I yeah. don't like The Office. I do like Parks and Recreation. Brandon's, Brandon's walking out. He's walking out. I don't. This podcast will never make it out. We don't have a song. <laughs> All right. He just left front door closed. I hope you could hear that. Um, no, I've, I haven't really ever watched it that much. I've watched it a little bit. And then it's just not something that I like keep on. It didn't click for you. And that's okay. Right. You know, there's little parts of it that I found. There's funny, moments of like humor. The CPR thing. That clip is hilarious. Do you know what clip I'm talking about? No. They're teaching them how to do like uh, BLS and like the office. Oh, right? yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, that clip's hilarious. But as a show, I remember like trying to watch a couple of episodes. It just doesn't do anything for me. But you put on some Arrested Development. I haven't or, seen that either. Oh, amazing. Not the new ones that they try to like reboot. Uh, and you know, but I will say one thing though. Okay. Say your one thing because I think it might match my one thing. <laughs> Very early on, she was like, <laughs> she's a bad person. <laughs> Which if I'm possessed... I mean, does being possessed mean you're a bad person? I don't know. She's in she there somewhere. She got bad vibes. No, she said. I know she said she's a bad person. No, but... she, I I quote. <laughs> <laughs> she um, says I knew she was a bad person. I'm very superstitious, and I believe um, all things ghost and good and bad spirits. She was definitely not a good person. Yeah. Um. Have you ever had a patient go into a ceiling? I have not. We did. We had a patient climb into the ceiling. I was not the nurse. My friend Colin was the nurse. And it wasn't a f- definitely like a psych patient, but it wasn't just psych. He was like there for heart stuff. But he climbed into what's the ceiling called? That is like what is the little squares. The little can, squares you can push them up. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what that's called, but yeah. Yeah, you can climb up there. Mm-hmm. But then pretty easily you fall out. Yeah, no, I, there's. There's a meme on... We sent that around because we're like, this was Colin's patient. Like, Ivy pole and everything. In the ceiling. Hanging. Ivy pole didn't quite make it. <laughs> well, that's... Make it up there. But yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. I've I've had a patient uh, break a window with a chair. Oh. Yeah. And what uh, floor level? Ground floor. Okay. The hospital wasn't a huge hospital, but our ICU, it was in the ICU overnight for... for like a psych eval, I think. And mm-hmm. it was like a Friday and the no one was coming in for psych till Monday. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember um, leaving and it was like Friday and he was like kind of rowdy and they called security and I came back the next morning and that area was like boarded off and stuff. And they said he had like thrown uh, a chair like at the, you know, a lot of ICUs have the sliding glass thing. Yeah. Broke that. And then one of the little windows that faced outside, he like cracked it. So he didn't escape. No, he did, he didn't get up, but he just shattered. Which that's that's the craziest. We've had people who had to like be like restrained by a bunch of people, but no one's ever like like that was the first time I was like, oh my god, like insane. Have you ever had a patient escape? No. Oh, well, you've been more ICU, so it's yeah, way different. Yeah. Med surge when they go missing, you're like, oh my gosh. I guess we've had people they leave the floor for like a walk and like not come back for like hours and we've been like okay so you left <laughs> like, yeah. like we've had that but that makes me so anxious yeah for me I'm, i mean it's out of my control so either you come back or i had a patient that like disappeared there's some tests he was like scheduled for and i had no clue where he was mm-hmm. and then it's like reflected on you that like the doctor's like well where is he yeah. and i was like he was here and then he wasn't here he didn't tell me he was going anywhere. I don't know. So I, I was like, freaking out. And then he came back hours later and he's like, I have permission to go to the gas station. And I was like, there's no way. But he did have an order that he could go to the gas station. <laughs> that's crazy. That's yeah. I was that's like, insane. Whatever resident wrote that did not clear. That with got, yeah. He got bamboozled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, I've never had to be one of my patients. But when I was working med surge, we had a patient who he had permission to go down to like our lobby or something. I think we had like a fountain down there and he just didn't come back for several hours. And we're just like, he, but he had like his, some valuables in his room. Mm -hmm. And like, we all kind of like, no one didn't think he was going to come back. You're going to come back because there's stuff here. His nurse and the doctor like gave him like a strict talking to, but it was kind of like, Nobody on the unit, people were annoyed, not worried. Personally, yeah. I just get real worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People're like, I cannot believe he's not back. But I don't think anybody was ever like, this man is gone. <laughs> okay. But back to this creepy story. I think it's crazy that she came back as a different energy type of person. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's when I recognized that the part where she was like, she's a b- bad person. I was like, I'm not sure that's completely fair. It sounds like she wasn't present for most of that anyway. <laughs> Yeah, like, like if she really was possessed or whatever. But then she actually died. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the story. Yeah. You know, I remember in nursing school for our psych rotation, the place we went to had a lot of kids with like spiritual sounding mm-hmm. demon possession kind of stuff. It was interesting to see how some of the staff felt about stuff. Some of the staff felt it was like purely science and psych related and just the coincidence that they were saying weird religious, religious yeah things. and then some some of the other staff were like completely like creeped the fuck out by it i think with the psych stuff some of the stuff seems very like supernatural so it does kind of feel like this person who's <laughs> screaming number one she doesn't know the chaplain's called number two she's like they don't know that he's there until she, the chaplain's in the door like the other nurses so she is aware of his presence as he's coming down the hall and she hasn't seen him yet. Like that stuff is what I think is kind of weird. Yeah. But, that you know, the other thing about these stories, though, is like how accurate you rely on people's recollection of this right. stuff, right? And this is a person who already admittedly believes these things. So she's going to believe that what she's seeing, it's that same confirmation bias thing of what I'm seeing in front of me aligns with what I believe. So I'm going to only see the things that support my ideas. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That's why a lot of times... Like that other story where where we say uh, the fact that she was with someone else when it happened, they're both like, okay, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Like those kind of stories, like with two people. Have more validity. Yeah. And then uh, this story, this, this there's a lot of details in the story. One, if you made this up to put like, you're either intentionally telling a lie or this actually happened well, I'm to not, you. I wouldn't say that they're lying. It's just this is what they believe happened. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. This is such a specific story that, like, the only way some of this stuff could be misconstrued is if you're intentionally trying to misrepresent it. So when I when I see it, I don't know. It could be her truth. She's not misrepresenting it, but, like, this is what she experienced. Yeah, I think that can be the case with some things that aren't this specific. Like, I hate when people say, like, the her truth thing. Like, what does that <laughs> mean? I mean, it's, there's some things that either happened or didn't happen, right? So the person coming back and having a cold, different, calm demeanor that either happened or didn't happen. Either person said the thing about there was a, the, the tall, dark person, mm-hmm. dark figure behind her. Either that happened or didn't happen. The cold stuff where it's like, oh, it was freezing and then suddenly warm. That's perception, right? Yes. So that's what I think when I say like her story, it's her perception of the events that happened. There may be things that she's not remembering because they didn't apply to her confirmation bias. Yeah. And I I agree with that. But my follow up to that is that there are some things that are so specific that they're not as like subjective as like, oh, it could be in her head that the temperature. So you're saying they're more objective things. There are a lot of details in the story. So when I hear a story like this, it creeps me the fuck out because I don't think people make up. There's a lot here that you would have to mix up for this to be your perception of what happened. That's why I think the story is creepy. (laughs) 
It's like either you went out of your way to write this very detailed fiction or this actually happened to someone that's creepy as fuck. I'm just saying if like another person went through these exact same events, they might recollect it a little bit different because they don't have the belief that superstition is real. Yeah, true. So the details are still the same. But how they're perceiving them, because they don't believe in superstitions, they're not going to think she's coming back with a different energy. Maybe she came back and she was like more tired. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about the things that are like more specific. Like, did the patient tell you there's a dark figure? Be, like those kind of things. That's that's one that you can't mix up. Did the patient yeah, know the, the patient could have said that? But I'd be like, this lady's crazy. I don't believe in superstitions. There's no one behind me. We just gave her a ton of meds and she's a psych patient. Yeah. So I'm not going to believe that and be like oh my gosh i was out of there you know like it just depends on who the person is this is exactly the point i wanted to get to but the thing with the chaplain right Mm -hmm. even that comment where she's like he's coming someone who doesn't believe will just be like that's just random coincidence right so they're not going to remember it with the same weight to her that's supporting evidence for it's almost like that's all the evidence you need you need because he she knew that he was coming prior and now if i didn't believe that and this happened and i'm like Okay, she heard footsteps coming down the hallway or who is she talking about? She may not be talking about this. She's been talking, ran, yelling random stuff this whole time. She could have been talking about the guy in the corner. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't, you don't know who this person is talking about. So I'm not going to equate it to being the chaplain. Yeah, maybe this might be worth polling. We're going to put this story on the blog and you guys can give us your ideas, your side beliefs, what's, what, what's, <laughs> opinions. Your take. <laughs> your take. <laughs> Whose side are you on? (laughs) I'm still thinking about the whole psych thing. And if nurses who work in psych, Mm -hmm. um, when they encounter things like this, that feel like they're like spiritual or whatever, like I'm I'm wondering how many believe is just, this is just a psych issue. This is all chemicals and chemical imbalances in the brain versus like people feel like, oh, there's something more going on here. Yeah. Well, there's also the other factor too, that I think the patient themselves, depending on what their beliefs are. Yeah. So even if they hold in their self that there is this spiritual world and their chemicals are off and then they're having weird beliefs, it's going to align with what they already believed. So if they didn't, then maybe they're not going to show those things. But it's kind of like what do they hold in their own philosophy, that that patient's philosophy prior to having any psych issues. Your personal worldview. I almost said your baseline. and I was like, That's not right. Yeah, like your baseline before psych issues. Hi, Evie. So my ghost story happened about a year ago. Um, I was doing just a regular cleanup on a patient who was vented. I'm pretty sure they were considered brain dead at this point, too. Very end of the hall with a nurse aide. We were doing, like, one last turn to clean them up, and uh, the TV suddenly turned on on the wall. We were looking for the remote, thinking we bumped into it, but the remote was on the wall, like, hanging up still with a collie. And it started scanning through channels, and it landed on this one radio station that just plays old-time music. Um, We were a little freaked out, but, you know, the TV doesn't always work anyways. So we're finishing the turn, scooting them up in bed, and all of a sudden the TV does it again. It turns off and turns back on, scans all of the channels, and lands on this old radio station. We're a little freaked out now. All of a sudden, the power cuts the whole room. This is a brand-new hospital. We have never had any electrical problems before. All of the equipment was plugged into, like, the backup generator outlet. The vent turned off, the monitors turned off, everything flashed. I thought even with a backup generator, it was impossible for a ventilator to totally shut off power. We were super freaked out, made sure the vent turned back on, ran into the hallway, 
asked all of our coworkers if they had seen the electric flash, you know, in their rooms, in the hallway, nothing. It didn't happen anywhere else but that room. But the patient died the next day. They went comfort cares. But I had never been so spooked. Uh, ran out of that room very quickly, and I've never seen anything like that happen to the electrical sits. I've never had a vent shut off like that, a TV scan channel, nothing. So I don't know if that's scary enough for Nurse Speaks, but it was one of the best, I guess, ghost encounters I've had in our hospital. Next story. I worked at a large teaching hospital. We had a chronic patient with a huge surgical history due to Crohn's disease. He was in and out of the ICU a couple of times a year. He was a very aggressive, unpleasant person and extremely rude to staff. After he died in our unit, every time we turned on the monitor in his room, his name automatically showed up. We eventually even changed out the monitor itself, and his name would still show up, even on the replacement, every time we turned it on. Dun, dun, dun. Once you replace the monitor, that's why I'm like, okay, like, that's weird. Yeah, at first you're like, oh, that's a tech issue. Like, It's still very well maybe a tech issue, but can tech issues be haunted? I don't know. He's like, I am tech. We are just vibrating pieces of energy, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm just saying, though, like, do ghosts haunt electronics? I feel like, sure, why not? But he's like, this is my room. You have to see my name. Yeah, any any of the stuff related to rooms like that are just like, like I'm not spooked. Or people are like, and then the call like kept going off. Yeah, it's I like, Okay, there were a lot of rooms with no one in them with call lights calling. I took most of them out, but like, shout out to all those. <laughs> but this one, I think had enough merit. All right, next up. Hey, B. So I work at a small city center ED. Basically, it's just us with a hospice, rehab floor, and a bunch of clinics. It's an old hospital, and we have a ghost that the hospice nurses swear they see before the passing of each patient, which is very frequently, obviously. He's called a conductor. The hospital used to be an old train station. On night shift, there's only three nurses, the doctor, and a CNA, so minimal people around. One night, we had a code come down from the rehab floor. We are the code team and the only doctor at night in the hospital. It was a nasty code. She went down in the bathroom on rehab. We worked on her for a good hour and she didn't make it. So we're in there doing postmortem care. There was a wall with supplies on it and supplies flew right across the room, literally hitting the wall. A minute later, the lights blinked in the room a couple of times. The atmosphere was weird. Her husband told us that she was very upset earlier because she wanted to go home and said that she was gonna die if she didn't leave. So we finished cleaning her up, leave and we go to the morgue with the security guard. We're walking around and all of a sudden the light goes out near the morgue. Nobody is around. It blinks twice and then goes back on. We quickly put her in and rush out of there. As we're walking by one of the hallways, we saw a figure walk down even though there was nobody around. I said, it had to be the other security guard. And the guard goes, uh, no, that's the conductor. Needless to say, we run and leave the area. Plot thickens. The next night, the rehab nurse calls and asks how we're doing down there and said that something weird is going on on rehab. A CNA who had worked the night before decided to take a nap in the room, unbeknownst to her that the code had happened the night before. She says she was almost asleep and the heavy door flew open and slammed shut again. The CNA turned the lights on and ran out and there was nobody there. Those doors are heavy. Needless to say, we think the patient who had passed was pissed at everyone for what happened. So, conductor was late. She already died. <laughs> <laughs> but he's picking her up because she's dead. He's like, taking you to the next place. He can't show up before. 
No, because she says before each person passes away. Oh, so, that's true. So the conductor was late. Walking Poking in holes hall, in the story. Walking, <laughs> walking around being like, ah, oh, shoot. Hopefully no, hopefully no one notices. You stop to get a him. latte. <laughs> <laughs> All good people do. All right, next story. <laughs> I was working night shift and part of the unit has a hallway that ends at a dead end. Dead end. Ha ha. No, no. Not, yeah, it's it's not good. It doesn't have a light, so it can be creepy to walk down. The last two rooms are for radiation patients, so they're lined with lead and closed off once the patient is discharged until no more radiation can be detected. There is no way for people to get in once it's locked, except with a key from the nurse's station. One night, the call light kept going off in the quarantine room. This happens sometimes, and the fix is usually to unplug the call light. I walked down the hallway with a coworker and peeked inside the room to see if the call light was plugged in. The light starts turning on and off and the TV starts flipping channels. This part is unusual. Both controls are on the call light and so we're like, okay, maybe it's just a really messed up call light. We open the door, don't tell radiology, to run in and unplug it. An hour or two later, the call light went off again. Me and the same coworker from earlier glanced down the hall and could see the light flickering on and off again. We both were like, hell no, we are not going near that door again. Our charge nurse told us that there was always weird stuff happening in those two rooms and that it's not a big deal. I stayed away from that nursing station the rest of my shift, and two weeks later, I transferred to day shift. I'd always have creepy vibes when I'd have patients in that room, even in the daytime. More call lights. I kept this one because it's not just... The flickering. The- it's, the, it's the added, like what she was saying. She's like, that's fine. We always have that issue. But with an unplugged call light, which controls the lights and the TV, and they're mm-hmm. all going off, that's weird. Yeah. That would give me some weird feelings. I'm not an electrician. So. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to reason this away any way that I can. I'm not an electrician or a ghostbuster. So I, I don't think I am. A, I don't know. The call light stuff for me just makes it. Like, electrical problems can be weird. It's a lead room. <laughs> lead rooms. Those spirits are trapped. <laughs> Maybe. I will say the the one with the name that kept reappearing on there with the monitor, that is weird. And I do kind of think ghosts might be able to haunt electronics. I think that's the thing we, we have. in the room and they're like, you're not going to forget me. That's why they're doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I don't think he's in the monitor. I think he's in the room. How do you get his name up there? touches it oh that's oh so that's how it works yeah but he can't be in the monitor but he can be a ghost but i can't have control the monitor i can't i don't think he's stuck in the monitor i said he's haunting it i didn't say he was necessarily like okay yeah stuck in it i don't think he's like (laughs) like, i'm like if you had to haunt one thing and you got stuck there like is haunting permanent like are you just sent in a single item and can't leave are you trapped there no, because they replaced the monitor and he was able to still be like, here's my name. Okay, then why doesn't he leave the room? What? I don't know. Why? I don't know the rules with ghosts. I'm asking. It really sounds like you're trying to debunk, debunk my... Uh, debunk. 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 <laughs> debunk <laughs> my theory of ghosts haunting monitors. I don't think they're stuck in there. <laughs> All right, next story. I'm sorry. This is pointless tangent. It was tangent. debunked. Debunked. Bonk, bonk, All right, next story. We had a murder-suicide by a patient. I was one of the first few people to run into the room when we heard the shots. 
And all I remember was seeing the wife on the floor, face down, head open, with brains and blood everywhere. I barely remember noticing the patient, but I remember that they were in bed and they had a gun in their hand. A few weeks later, I picked up a shift to help out. As I was just randomly walking around towards a patient dining room in the front of the building, I saw a woman sitting at the table in the dark. I kept walking, thinking it was one of my nurses just on her phone in the dark, until I rounded the wall and she was gone. All the chairs were up for the floors to be clean at the end of the night, except this one chair. I instantly felt my heart drop into my stomach because I remembered the face and I took off running. I ran to the nurse's station and nobody was there, and so I ran to the second station and everybody was there talking. I asked if anyone was in the dining room, etc., and they all just said no and laughed me off. I wouldn't go anywhere alone the rest of the night and never picked up another night shift. I never had another ghost experience there, but friends who still work there tell me that the call light from room 20 goes off, furniture is thrown all around the room, and sometimes even chairs are found on the bed. No thanks. What do you think about this one? Have you ever no, experienced I've this never before? never experienced a murder-suicide myself. Oh, you were never a part of one. You've never been a part of a murder-suicide? I have not been. But when I was a new grad, the very first hospital I worked at, there was an instance where there was a shooting, and it was very much the same kind of situation. But uh, it was a loved one had come in, and they had like a pact that uh, I can't remember what the details were. I mean, I don't know the details, but <laughs> you weren't there when they I was not it. there when they made the pact. But um, what I was told was that there was a pact between them, and I think it was the husband came in and shot the wife and then shot himself. Or maybe he didn't shoot himself. If he didn't shoot himself, that's a little selfish. I think he was supposed to shoot himself, but then he, he got, like, stopped. Wait. Which, yeah. yeah. That's better. Yeah, yeah. As a nurse walking in on that, I would be freaked out. I remember getting text messages from my coworkers because I think I, I worked either earlier that day or, like, the day before. and But somebody was like, there was a code silver at work. And I was like, I was thinking it was like a, sh- like, a shooting. Like somebody was, yeah. But, um, like. Shortly. That always makes me so nervous. I mean, I think because of the pandemic, this is the longest stretch we've had in a long time without like a major mass shooting, right? Yeah. But that was something that like, yeah, when you're working in the hospital, like what's one place where a lot of people leave very pissed off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, or family members are mad or upset, like. Have you been in Code Grace before or Code Silvers? I've had called both defending on the. Yeah, no, the only one I've ever been a part of was, was, that. was that and it was like i wasn't there i just my coworkers were texting about it next story i was on a travel assignment in the bronx new york in their pacu it was a sleepy community type hospital where the sickest patients were always transferred out vascular type surgeries and minor gynecological surgeries took up most of the or schedule and occasionally peds cases i was on a 13-week night shift contract that was amazing I was getting paid boatloads of money to just come in at 7 p.m. and take over for the day shift nurses by finishing up their discharges and covering night call. The catch was I would be the only one in the 8-bed PACU until 6 a.m. when ambulatory surgery got in. I got used to the idea because it was very routine outpatient type surgeries and anesthesia was always close by. So like I said, alone but in a sleepy community hospital, which pretty much equates to zero cases overnight unless someone went septic or there was an in-house emergency. My manager, who spoke broken English and was not one for nonsense, basically told me to carry the charge phone into the lounge at night and to sleep until OR charge called with a case. Legitimately encouraged me to sleep. On the job. 
The nurses all taught me their systems for barricading the lounge door with a chair so it's easy to hear if someone is coming, mainly a supervisor who would come in. It took me several weeks to feel comfortable sitting in the lounge for myself for 12 hours, let alone sleeping. By week eight, I was making a bed on the couch with the hospital linen and bringing in my laptop to binge watch Netflix. I have never had that much autonomy as a nurse before. Dangerous, but I loved it. One Monday night, after a weekend of a little debauchery, I was so tired I decided to try sleeping in the lounge. The OR schedule was clear and there was no sign of any cases on the horizon. I fluffed up a fresh, unopened pillow, snuggled up, and drifted off in my OR linen with the charge phone right by my face. About an hour or so later, around 3 a.m., I woke up in a panic, experiencing some intense sleep paralysis. Anyone that has experienced this can tell you it's terrifying. This has only happened to me a few times in my life, but every time it does, it happens somewhere like this. Isolated, unfamiliar environments, like hotels or once at my grandma's. I was so freaked out, I just laid there still and chalked it up to me falling asleep too fast. The next thing I know, the lounge door slammed shut. I was able to turn my head and see that the chair I had used to prop up the inner lounge door was about five feet away from the door, and I heard a man's laughter. I was too scared to get up, so I grabbed the charge phone and checked for missed calls. Nothing. I knew the OR charge that night was a little lady in her 50s and couldn't have made that laughing noise, I heard, and the anesthesia docs were both female. No one else is in the locked OR wing at night. I was scared as shit and decided to sit in the OR locker room with the OR charge nurse until the morning. When day shift got in, I told my nurse about the weird door slam and man laughing experience. She had worked there for like 20 years and informed me that she sees ghosts all the time and to wait till I saw the little boy in the jumper. Her advice was to tell them, leave me alone, and they usually bug off. Needless to say, I was happy to see the end of my night shifts on that unit. Have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? No, I don't think so. It's pretty horrifying. And the times I've had it also were in a random, I was at like a church retreat for like a week or something. And I remember we had stayed at some university, mm-hmm. right? And me in and life- random dorms? Yep. Yeah. And me and life were staying in a random dorm room. I remember this so clearly because I was trying to get like life was sleeping like, across the room. Yeah, and I was like, I thought I was dying. It felt like someone was sitting on my chest. I've never experienced this. So when I was reading this first, I thought it meant you couldn't move anything. And so when she's like, and I looked at the door, I was like, how? Yeah, no, you know, I think I've had it maybe two or three times and it's varied in the level of being able to move, but usually I can just move my eyes. But there's been times where I can like turn my head, but it's like your your arms and your body are just like asleep. Like you no can't way. like. I mean, I believe you're saying no way I would hate that. Yeah, no, it's it's horrifying. The one that I'm talking about particularly, the reason I remember so clearly is because it felt like somebody was sitting on my chest. And I remember being so panicked because I was like, someone is holding me down like life up. <laughs> and like. Big brother. Yeah, I was like, wake up, I'm dying. But then um, it just stopped. Like, I remember being like, oh. (laughs) So I think I just woke up earlier than my body or something. It was super weird. Yeah, I've never, never experienced that. But I did want to ask, would you ever be comfortable sleeping on the job? Like, even though it's encouraged, like in this position, for me, number one, I would hate this because I would be alone and I would like be so bored and not talking to people. So like, what was the point of going to work? (laughs) Yeah, see, that's funny because for me, I read this and I was like, this job sounds amazing. This would be my nightmare. I would not be able to sleep, though. I've never been able to do that at 
work because I've worked places before where like our break was like long enough. Like mm-hmm. we get like an hour 15 or something. Yeah. At night and you combine it all together. Uh-huh. And I'd, I'd go home and like let Oscar out because I was living pretty close by and they allow you to leave campus. But that's see, that's when you work at a place that has enough resources to straight up just have and your sleeve. Yeah, like a like I would have a resource nurse come up. It was my first travel contract in uh, California. And it feels so glorious. I couldn't shut up about it. Like they were probably so annoyed at me because I was just like, this is so much better than where I came from. And yeah. you never want to tell another place how good they have it because that's not what they want to hear. They take it as like, oh, you're saying we have it easy here. Yeah. When I'm saying I'm never leaving. I didn't know what a resource nurse was until doing my first con- travel contract. They had a lift team that comes every two hours and helps you boost and turn lift your patients. phlebotomy. Transport. Actually, ner- I had phlebotomy. Some places don't though. Yeah. Some floors would like not have it. Well, I see if you guys have like a lines lot of and, stuff, and stuff, then it's yeah. not as- But one of my med search floors, like I remember being like, why would they not have phlebotomy? But you would have phlebotomy in- and <laughs> like, I remember being like, I was, they're the ones who need it. Like, we're- Yeah. Because one of the places that- um, I worked with small, so I didn't have a phlebotomy team. And that was like always frustrating because it's like five, but you have to have these results in by the time day shift comes mm-hmm. in. So that means you're going around between five and six. Yep, all night, and drawing blood. Doing that, but then also like getting your meds. Yeah, my my first job, that was your whole concern about night shift. This was in Ohio, right? And so on nights, you'd have like six patients. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this floor was like a vascular floor. It was... uh. I believe GI vascular and uh, like we did some like, I, don't know, I just remember we had a lot of like gastric sleeve binding surgeries and then a lot of diabetics and mm-hmm. like vascular cases. But those are people that you're going to have a hard time getting a stick sometimes. <laughs> and so literally it would get to like midnight and in my head, I'm already like, how do I get all these labs? <laughs> well, yeah, like I remember, especially when I was newer. When I was newer, I had a phlebotomy team, but when I traveled and I didn't have a phlebotomy team and I was at a smaller hospital, it was that still like night shift, like from three to five is pretty slow, but you're like preparing for like all the things that you need to do, trying to print all of your labels because they didn't scan. Yeah. Like I, where I came from, if I did a lab, I like, scanned it and scanned it and like things were synchronized on the computer and it was good to go, but this wasn't. And this was a place you had to like set your labs in a little basket thing and then somebody would have to take those down at some point and like... Yeah, I hated that. I very clearly remember like the stress of being new on that floor and then just like worried that I wouldn't be able to get my labs in time. And then God forbid you get an admission. (laughs) You're just like, uh, yeah, I like that hospital a lot. But when I left there, I felt very much like I could work anywhere. That was if I could work at that place. Yeah. And it was a good hospital. It was just rough. It was just hard. Yeah, same. But yeah, so I could never take this job. I would hate this job of being alone at night without patients to talk to, without coworkers to talk to. And then uh, I would feel guilty if I actually fell asleep. And if I fell asleep, I'm out. Yeah. I'd be so anxious to like, I'm missing something. People, uh, people would sleep on that one hour and a half break at night. I, I just personally, I feel like it'd be really hard for me to come back yeah, to. And I, like, I tried it once and then I was more tired after my yep. nap than I was before. And I was like, now I just feel like I woke up from in the middle of the night and came to work and this feels horrible. Yeah. For me, if I'm going to take a nap, I need a solid two hours. If not, I'm like, what are we doing here? There's no power naps. Yeah, I can't do one of these 15 minute cat naps. Okay, next story. I work on a heme oncology BMT floor. We have a lot of ghost stories due to the nature of our floor that are passed around, but this is the only one I've experienced. On my unit, we have a tele O2 monitor for all our BMT rooms at the main nurse's station. One night, 
an empty room started showing a perfect pleth with a great heart rate and sats. My charge nurse and I look at each other and I knew we had to go check it out. We get in there and there's no sign of anyone being placed in that room. We make a few calls and it turns out someone had just taken the portable monitor out of the room to go to the scan and it still reads on the floor. End of story. Not creepy at all, right? Well, once we finished laughing at ourselves at how silly we were for thinking it was a ghost and ended the call, the computer immediately turns itself on and the scanner starts beeping like crazy, even though it hadn't been touched. We jumped at least a foot in the air and ran out of that room. It turns out that our ghost got the last laugh at us. Uh, this sounds like another electrical thing to me. So either we're ready to admit that ghosts this can This is why haunt. I didn't have it in there and then I put it back in there. Yeah, it sounds like another electrical one. But do you not think that's kind of creepy? I guess it's a little creepy. My ghost story is I am a picky nurse and in the summer we usually have really low census because it's not respiratory season. Um, and I was working in like a 20 bed unit. We only had two patients. Um, my patient was intubated and sedated with no family or visitors at the bedside. And the next nurse was like three or four rooms down from me. It was just really quiet on the unit and it was like two in the morning. My patient was on a bunch of Versed for status and I had brought in a bunch of vials with me to replace the bag. There's 10 vials and I put them down on the counter in the room in like two lines of five, like straight parallel lines of five. I reached back out of the room, like just around the corner outside the door to grab something I had left out there and came back in the room was gone for two seconds. I looked at the vials on the counter and they had been arranged into a giant triangle and there's no explanation for that whatsoever. That kind of stuff happens all the time in the PICU because, you know, kids be kids, but I kind of just looked around the room and was like, don't do that (laughs) to no one in particular. A lot of stuff like that has happened, but that's probably the one that sticks out the most because I never really found a plausible explanation that could explain what that was all about. I think we should end on number 13 anyways. We're talking about ghosts and superstitions, so we needed one more story. It's perfect. Story 13. So I used to work at a stateroom facility, once as an aide and then again as a nurse. The hospital is ancient, like they still have their original iron lungs ancient. This hospital has been used as an asylum and for the polio outbreak. When I worked there, there was an elevator in my wing that was always super creepy. The doors would always slide open as soon as you got close to it like it was inviting you in. Flickering lights and all. I could never find any sort of motion detector either. Most of our elevators malfunctioned once or twice, but this was excessive. One of my coworkers got trapped for a few hours while on shift. The lights went out, the call button wasn't working, and he had no cell service. We only figured it out because another nurse tried to use the elevator and heard him banging half a floor down. It would also always open up to the empty unit on the third floor when nobody was there to push the button, the same unit that is wicked haunted, i.e. call bells going off in the empty unit, wheelchairs moving on their own, voices heard down the hall but no one's there, the works. I once had to take a patient to x-ray in the basement. My unit is on the fourth floor. We stopped on the third floor as usual and my patient nodded to the empty door and said, good afternoon. Most of our patients aren't 100% with it, so I didn't really think too much of it. I thought she was just talking about being able to see the window or something. We got to the basement, we stopped at radiology, and my patient went, have a nice day, sir, and waved. I asked who she was talking to, and she said, 
oh, the pale man who was just with us in the elevator. Wicked creepy. Honestly, I think the whole hospital is crawling with ghosts because of the age and the history, and my coworkers on night shift have crazy stories. But that elevator always gave me weird vibes. That's creepy. <laughs> that is super creepy. Yeah. All these were creepy. I know I was talking real spicy about the call lights and stuff, but when it's happened in real life, I've been creeped out. Yeah. But it's just easier to write off the electrical stuff. But this one had electrical things and... and patients talking to people yeah, that which, you can't see. That's right. The one-two combo. <laughs> <laughs> when you combine the combination... Well, I wonder what is happening because they did say that the third floor that's now empty has now become a COVID unit. Yeah. So I wonder the stories that are coming out of these poor COVID unit patients who are like, now, what are the ghosts doing? And imagine being a patient with COVID... You can't have any visitors and these ghosts won't fucking leave you alone. Wow. Or they're really pleasant. He probably was, he seemed super nice to that lady. That's true. He was on the elevator. Maybe ghosts have a bad rap. There's probably some of them that are good. Yeah. I'm talking like I know them. <laughs> I do. I'm a ghost. Not all ghosts, Emily. Not all ghosts. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the stories this week. And um, yeah. I'm too creeped out. Hopefully you didn't listen to them alone in the dark or something because that's a terrible idea because we definitely don't read these after it gets dark i did not yeah we were working on these earlier last week and it was in the evening and i said nope no more so emily just checked our rankings and wow thank you guys i don't look at these very often but apparently you guys we have were been, trending you got us trending what were we number two in uh trending at number two in society and culture globally wow so thank you guys. We couldn't do the show without you guys, obviously. You guys are the stories and the audience. And if you're enjoying the podcast, like and subscribe and give us a review. It's awesome. Thanks. We appreciate you. You guys have a good week. We will see you next time. Bye.